time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. All right, welcome to the Vintage Truth Podcast. It is, we're in the middle of December here, and we're talking today about uh, the some of the myths of Christmas and also why God became a man in the first place, why God even launched this scheme of becoming a man. How is that even possible? that God could become a man, that deity could dwell in human flesh. You know, in the Christmas season, there's a whole lot of things that are a sort of misinformation that has been perpetuated through the ages about Christmas and even about Jesus himself. It's amazing. I mean, we pass off as Christmas songs things like Let It Snow or Frosty the Snowman or something like that. I mean, th- these are not Christmas songs. They're seasonal songs. They're holiday songs, but they're not Christmas songs. And we make a big deal about uh, people saying Merry Christmas or not saying Merry Christmas. Look, you know, if you're not a Christian, why should you expect someone to want to celebrate the Christmas holidays? But, you know, we we date December 25th as the birthday of Jesus. And that's sort of a something that's gained popularity over the centuries as being his birthday, although it's actually not. But we'll talk more about that in just a little bit. You know, even in our Christmas songs, we have like... Um, like away in a manger, you know, it says away in a manger, the baby awakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Are you kidding me? You ever been around a baby? Have you ever been around a newborn baby that that just never cries? No, no. Jesus cried when he was born. Mary probably did too. But he soon wanted milk. And when when babies cry for milk, um, let me tell you something. The, the neighborhood hears about it i mean if they they should replace tornado sirens with just babies crying you know what i'm saying i mean babies have a way of getting your attention so so the whole idea that that jesus was this quiet little baby you know why because he's god and god wouldn't cry no no he was a baby he was fully human as a baby let me give you another myth about christmas that mary and joseph arrived in bethlehem the night that she gave birth i mean that's the way that we have to tell that kind of story right in the movie version because that sort of makes more of a romantic tale but the bible never says this i mean they could have arrived weeks earlier they could have arrived shortly after that it says all it says was is while they were there in bethlehem the days were accomplished that she should give birth luke 2 6 so she arrived in town well before her due date that, that makes more sense than on the day of because scripture never says that here's another myth that Mary and Joseph went up to the innkeepers and they were told that uh, that there was no room in the inn now there was no room in the inn but there's nothing in the Bible that says that they uh, went up and had any kind of conversation with the innkeeper and so even though the innkeeper you know he has a prominent place in the Christmas play no innkeeper is mentioned in any of the records of Jesus' uh, birth. Uh, furthermore, it's likely that Mary and Joseph probably stayed in the house of relatives, or that's where they were they were lodged, uh, not in some sort of uh, Bible times a hotel or something. And so, um, so you know, that's kind of a myth busted, you know, about um, about Jesus. Another one is that Mary rode to Bethlehem on a donkey. I mean, she's always on a donkey on the way to Bethlehem, right? Well. The Bible says nothing about a donkey. She, she may have been on a, in a wagon. Uh, think about it. A woman who's nine months pregnant, who's about to give birth any minute now, bouncing up and down on a mule for 60 miles? You kidding me? 
she probably would have, you know, jumped on Joseph's back or something before she'd have done that. Now, Mary's probably being pulled in a cart, maybe by a donkey, but not riding a donkey. There's nothing about that. Uh, scripture never even mentions a stable. You know, we always have Jesus in a stable, but the Bible never says anything about that, about him being born in a barn. More likely, he was probably born in a cave or in a room of a house uh, in, in one of Joseph's relatives, but there's nothing about a, uh, a stable there. You know, one of the biggest myths of Christmas is that, uh, is that on the night Jesus was born, uh, these three wise men come to uh, come to, uh, to worship the baby Jesus, and they bring uh, gifts of gold, myrrh, and, and frankincense, right? Well, let's, let's put this in perspective. Uh, these guys are probably riding camels. They're from the east, right? And I don't know if you've ever tried to follow a star on a cam- camel before, but it's kind of slow work if you think about it. So it takes them a while to get there. In fact, the Bible tells us uh, in Matthew that, that when Jesus got th- when they got there, Jesus was about two years old when you trace the chronology of this whole thing. Um, they were magi, which are these wise mystics of the day. They weren't royalty. We three kings of Orient. No, they were not three kings. There was no three kings. They were wise men. They were astrologers. They were God seekers in those days. They were looking for signs in the heavens to tell them about the Messiah. And so they um, they bought they brought these gifts to Jesus. He was two years old at the time. And it says gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's where we get the three wise men from is because there were three kinds of gifts given. But um, that's just tradition that there were three men. The Bible says nothing. So those are just some of the myths that surround Christmas. And, you know, of course, it makes for, you know, syrupy sentimentality about uh, about Jesus' birth. And, you know, in fact, it's, it's crazy because, you know, when you look at... Um, uh, look at history, uh, you'll find out that Christ was not born on December 25th. In fact, he was probably born in the month of April, but nobody's really sure, but probably in April. Uh, but after Christianity was was Romanized uh, in, in under Constantine, they decided to celebrate Christ's birth at the time of the winter solstice of the pagans because the pagan festivals were already held during that year. So they probably thought, well, we'll, we'll make a new holiday. They'll overshadow these. We'll call it the birth of, of Christ. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people want to make uh, this, you know, kind of Christ's birth. And if you miss Christmas, oh, my gosh, you miss Christmas Day. Big deal. It's it's just a holiday that people have have really made up in order to celebrate. In fact, this is really interesting. I mean, not to be, you know, Scrooge or anything, but even in the Bible, they don't celebrate Christmas. The early church did not celebrate Christmas. Did you know that? You know what they did celebrate? They celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ every single Sunday. And they remembered his death and resurrection every Sunday. So there's scriptural basis for that. But, you know, hey, I'm not against Christmas. We, we should celebrate Christmas. But don't, don't bring in the authoritative word of God and say, well, he was born on December 25th, and there were three wise men, and pa-ra-pa-pum-pum, and the little drummer boy, and all this stuff. No, it, it didn't happen like that. Didn't happen like that. I mean, the Bible does tell us that God came to earth in the form of a vulnerable, impoverished baby. It does tell us that his mother was not married when she became pregnant. The Bible does tell us that there was a scandal and that an angel had to give Joseph this 
sort of verbal beatdown in a dream so that he wouldn't dump Mary. And man, what kind of courage that must have taken. They were so poor that they couldn't find a place to stay and Jesus' first crib was a feeding trough. But we've we've sort of taken the kernel of that story and just like expanded it and embellished it to sort of fit this this narrative that makes us feel good about Christmas, about Silent Night, right? So, why not just get back to what the Bible says and stick to that? After all, that's what God chose to tell us, and that's supposed to be enough for us, right? So, he could have done it another way. I mean, he could have had Jesus been delivered in a flaming chariot from heaven. You know, there could have been all these incredible amount of lightning and thunder and all this stuff to tell us that the king was coming to town and trumpets and everything else, but but there wasn't. You know, even the shepherds, you know, we make the shepherds out to be these noblemen. You know, they, they were not noblemen. Shepherds were the, were the bane of the earth. I mean, these guys weren't even allowed to testify in a court of law. These were the guys whose beards, like, grew up all on their cheekbones. You know, those kind of Duck Dynasty guys. That's who these guys were, only not quite as wealthy as the Duck Dynasty guys. But here's the deal. These guys were so incredible in in terms of their testimony that no one would ever believe what they would say. And yet, God chose to reveal the birth of Christ to them. Isn't that interesting? You know what that tells me? It tells me God doesn't need these people. God doesn't need to have rich, famous, influential people to spread his word. In fact, he usually chooses just the opposite. We get so stinking excited when a celebrity talks about his or her faith or an athlete. Guess what? That's not really God's method. I mean, God wants athletes to be Christians. He wants celebrities and actors and whoever else to be a Christian. But guess what? That's not his method. He he usually chooses the least among you to bear his news. Guess what? Even at the resurrection, who did he choose to reveal the resurrection to first? To women to women who had no voice in society, to women who were not believed in court, to women whose words would have been doubted because of their place in society at the time. That's just God's method. That's what he does. I I can't explain that. But all that to say is, is that God chooses to reveal himself in ways that we would not choose. We would not script the story the way that God did. But God did say in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that Bethlehem would be the place of the Savior's birth. He did say in Isaiah 7, 14, that God would choose a young virgin maiden and choose her to bear the Christ child. She would be a sinner just like the rest of us because later on in Luke, she would call him her savior so what what does this mean well christmas is the celebration of the birth of jesus christ entering into this world and theologians call that the incarnation now the incarnation is not something a high school guy buys his date on his way to the senior prom the incarnation means that god became flesh okay in fact it says in and John, John 1, 14 says, and the word became flesh. Well, who's the word? Well, John tells us a couple of verses earlier. He says in verse one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God 
and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by Him, and apart from Him came into being nothing that has come into being. In other words, he's saying, Jesus Christ, this Word, is the Creator. He's infinite, He's eternal, He's been there from eternity past. And it says that the Word became flesh. He took on human flesh, humanity. Now, there's mystery there as to how Jesus can be 100% God and 100% man. So, so yeah, there's some mystery going on there. But it's a mystery that's not a mystery to God. He understands the whole thing. And it says that this Word who became flesh, it says He dwelt among us. So God came to live among us, God with us. That's exactly what Isaiah chapter 9, at least verse 6, says that he would be called, Emmanuel, which means God with us. And the word to dwell among us is a word which means to pitch a tent. To pitch a tent. You've been camping, right? You pitch your tent, but you're not going to live there forever. So Jesus came to this earth, the second member of the Godhead, the Son of God, came to this earth temporarily to do something and what was it that he he came to do well John goes on to say it says we beheld his glory glory as of the only begotten from the father full of grace and truth you see Jesus Christ when he came to this earth he came to give grace and he came to give truth I wonder why God chose those two words well I think he tells us a little later on let's talk about grace for a second I think he chose grace because Jesus Christ exuded grace. He exemplified grace. He he totally modeled and demonstrated for the human race what grace was all about. He forgave sinners who were repentant. He didn't just wave his hand over the, the sea of sinners and say, hey, you're all forgiven, don't worry about it, just keep on sinning. No, he had grace on those who were repentant. And after they were repentant, what did he say to them? He says, go and sin no more. So Christ, you know, people talk about Jesus hung out with sinners, man. He did hang out with sinners. But guess what? Those sinners were impacted by him. And the ones on whom he had mercy were the ones that came to him for forgiveness. They weren't the ones that just came and hung out and went back to their sin. They didn't get forgiveness. But it's the ones who came and wanted forgiveness from the one who was willing to give grace to them, was willing to say to them, hey, I know you've had a hard life. I know things have been tough on you. I know you've blown it and messed up in your life, but guess what? Here's some grace. Here's a new start for you. Here's forgiveness. Here's salvation. Here's a future. That's what Jesus Christ came to give when he came to give us grace. And that's why Paul wrote, for by grace you're saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not not a result of works that any person should boast. It's a gift. Grace is a gift. Jesus was a gift. Christmas is a gift to us through the Son of God. Then it says he was full of grace and truth. What's really interesting, it says in verse 18, a couple of verses later in John 1, he says, no man has seen God at any time, but the only begotten God, the monogonase is the Greek word there, just means the unique one that has come from God, who is in the bosom of the Father, meaning his, his incredible intimacy with the Father. He is one with the Father. He has explained him to us he the word has explained the father to us that's the truth part you see Jesus Christ came into the world to reveal the father to us he came to tell us what God was really like 
and who God really was, that he was the God of the Jews, that he was Yahweh. He was not Allah. He was not Confucius. He was not some Hindu God. He was not Hare Krishna. He was a specific God with a specific name that was representing a specific people, the nation Israel. So yes, it was very exclusive. It was very narrow. You know why? Because that's what truth is. Truth doesn't come to us in, in broadband packages. Truth comes to, to us in very distinct, focused ways. And so it's, it's very important that Jesus reveals exactly who the Father is. Guess what? That's what he did. That's what he spent his life and ministry doing was teaching about God and his ways and about why he had come to this earth. In fact, the word there that John uses it says he explained God to us. Wow, what a great word. It's the Greek word that we get the English word exegetical from or exegete. And exegete means to explain. Someone who is a exegetical preacher is a, is a man who understands the original Bible in its original language in Hebrew and or Greek. And, and they have that meaning and they explain that meaning from the original to you. So if, if you're sitting under the teaching of a really good pastor, that pastor's studying his butt off every week to give you great truth. Yes, I said studying his butt off. That's what pastors do. And, and Jesus Christ exegeted God to humanity. So if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Don't look at one verse of Jesus in the Bible. Look at the whole Bible and what it says about Jesus. Jesus, the crying baby in the manger in Bethlehem. Jesus, the young boy at age 12, who is teaching the elders in the temple because he has studied the law, the Mosaic law. Jesus, the carpenter who worked his entire life, who had a great work ethic. Jesus Christ, who was baptized by John and who went about his public ministry telling about parables and telling people to repent and forgiving people and telling the truth and rebuking the snot out of the Pharisees because they deserved it. Jesus Christ, who was butchered, beaten, and crucified on a cross for the sins of humanity. Jesus Christ, who was buried in a tomb and who rose victoriously on Sunday morning, slam dunking the sting of death itself. Jesus Christ, who taught his disciples more truth and those 40 days following his resurrection, Jesus Christ who ascended, who literally was raptured up to heaven from the Mount of Olives in Acts chapter 1, Jesus Christ who gave the commission to his disciples to go make more disciples in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus Christ who the angel said would return in the same way that he left planet earth in Zechariah 14 tells us that he will return to the Mount of Olives once again and his feet will touch down and split that sucker wide open and cause a massive earthquake. Jesus Christ, who's returning for his church prior to that to deliver us from the wrath to come during the tribulation. And Jesus Christ, who's coming again at the end of the tribulation to slay his enemies and to create a massive bloodbath from those who refuse to repent, from those who continue to blaspheme and curse God and refuse to repent of their sins that Jesus oh and the Jesus that will set up his kingdom on this planet and rule the Bible says with a rod of iron 
So if you're going to talk about Jesus, you got to talk about all of who Jesus is, not just the one part. You know, he grew up. He wasn't always a cute little baby that we sing sentimental songs about. But he ended up saving the soul of his mother, of his stepfather, of his brothers, right? And that's the Jesus who was incarnated into humanity. And that is what Christmas is really all about. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.